On this episode of Penny's Going In Raw, Hugh and I discuss options, baby. Hey, yo, check one, two. This is Flavor Flav in the building for the Atlas crew. Atlas trading, what the fuck is up? They're traders, they're prodigies, and then there's legends. Rob, 4%, baby. No way. 4% fucking percent. by the fucking dick. Hey, who told me about IDEX? Like, dude, what the fuck? Like, someone just made, like, a lot more money than me on my trade. You find out, likes this game of pennies. Did you check the portfolio? Pennies. 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 The margin for error is so small. I bet Warren Buffett never did that. And they out there making money right now off of penny stocks. The two guys is putting their work to make y'all rich. The pennies we need are everywhere around us. Time to think big. Pennies going in raw. Featuring Dan, Deity at Dips, and Hugh Honey. Produced by Vinny Strokes, baby. Welcome back to the Penny Stock Podcast, sponsored by The Blazing Chronicle. Today is Monday, September the 14th, aka my birthday, and the market is. Ah, forget it. It's the Options Podcast, and we're going to talk some options. What do you think about that? I hate this podcast. I, I already, you, I've been dreading this for six weeks now. So he's really excited to tell everyone and help all, everyone about options and become options gurus. So there were two things whenever we were kind of getting into this that he really was passionate about that we did in the Q&A section. And I thought that they would be better to put at the very beginning so then everyone would kind of understand them going further in. So first things first, what makes you buy the option on a specific stock rather than just trading it regularly? Are there some signs? Uh, yeah, so I think that that's a really good question. One of the things, one of the reasons that people get into options is because you can buy Tesla for $2. Or if the contract's trading at $2, you can trade Tesla. Um, so people with smaller accounts can trade Tesla. And then the biggest reason that people get in options is because of the risk to reward. Um, you know, if I told you, Dan, that a thousand different stocks moved a thousand, I mean, a thousand different stocks moved a thousand percent today, you'd be like, dude, get me into that market. Um, but what people don't understand is that yes, options go a thousand percent, but they don't understand that the statistic is literally you, the chances of you hitting a thousand percent option today, gainer, it, you have better chance of getting struck by lightning twice today. Well, there, um, I did just get a hurricane warning, so uh, we might we might be in luck there. Yeah, so everybody loves the risk to reward. Everyone wants to put in $2 and turn it into a million, but it's they're so they don't understand that so much goes into options and that think about this is that Tesla there's probably 100 different strike prices expiring, you know, tomorrow or I mean Friday alone. So that's 100 different options at 100 different strike prices, there's so many more quote-unquote contracts. So everyone loves the risk to reward, but no one understands how much goes into each option, how much they move. All right, so yeah, that, that makes sense on like, so there's obviously so much more potential. And the other thing is, why don't you like talking about the options or teaching or helping people? You know, you hate helping people. Honestly. Yeah, I, I, really, I really hate helping people. Uh, <laughs> but... The biggest thing is that there's so much that goes into options. Your risk to reward is completely different. I'm not saying that there aren't great option traders because there are. There's so many great option traders out there. I feel like we pretty much deal with basically beginners and traders. And so they don't understand that. Okay. Each option you have to treat as an under, uh, you have to treat as its own stock. So, you know, people are hitting the bid, you know, market selling, market selling, market selling or market buying. But then on top of that, you have the Greeks, which change the underlying price. You could put 200,000 into an option, the price not move. And the next day it'd be, it'd be worth like 10% less. And nobody understands that. So I, the volatility, you interest rates, interest rates affect options. Uh, SPAC today is ripping. If interest rates change, SPAC's still probably going to rip. But with options, it completely affects interest rates. Completely affect options. So I think like you have to treat each option as its own stock. But then there's so many other things that can change the price of the option one way or another. So your risk to reward completely changes to something that is unfavorable. And there's a statistic out there that more than 90% of options expire worthless. So that, that alone, 90% of options expire worthless. Yeah. So obviously there's just so much risk that you don't really want to put on people, but I think that 
is kind of the introduction. He doesn't want people going out crazy, doing crazy shit with their options money and trying to get a thousand percent because people looking for a thousand percent are the ones that end up in the dump, right? And, yeah. uh, but there obviously is that potential, and that's why we're gonna go over it. With that being said, I think a good place to start would be what is it? The fraternity letters, the Greeks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the ones you like to go through are deltas and gammas mainly. I used to run through DGs back in my day as well. I would make them scream GD. Cut that out, Vinny, if you don't think it's appropriate. Okay, but yeah, so let's start with the delta. The amount the option will move. Yeah. So, okay. So Delta, yeah. So to put it plainly, the amount, the option will move. Okay. Um, so I've compiled some resources for everything and we'll go into it, into each Greek and a little bit of an example. Um, just a quick plug. Mr. Prez is a really great options guy to learn from. He does YouTube videos. He's in Atlas Discord. He's always wanting to help. I'm not going to go into spreads and, you know, I'm not, we're not naked calling anything we're not naked shorting anything there's there's none of that okay um this is purely for our beginners and mr prez is someone where if you want to go more in depth and you actually want to become an options trader um he can really help you out yeah and we actually also have a uh a segment on him we're gonna put at the very end yeah exactly so that'll be fun okay so delta yeah so delta is the amount an option price is expected to move based on a $1 change in the underlying stock, okay? So calls have positive delta between zero and one. So for instance, this means that if the stock price goes up and no other variable changes, okay, now, now that's not very, other variable changes will, you know, other things will change the variables, but for just the examples, we're only going to change whatever Greek we're talking about. So in this case, we're talking about delta. So if nothing else changes, the price for the call will go up. So an example is if the delta is 0.25, so 0.25, and the stock goes up $1, theoretically, the price of the call will go up about $0.25. Cents. So all these calls have an additional price that you have to pay for them, and that's the price they're saying is going to be affected. Yes. So for instance, say ABC is trading at $100 a share, okay? The option is going to be trading at let's just call it $3 a share. I mean, $3 an option, excuse me. So if the delta is 0.25 and the stock goes up $1, theoretically, the option will go up from $3 to 325. Okay. Now, again, a really important thing to remember here is that this is with no other variable changing. Okay. In, in all of our examples, the only thing that we're going to be talking about is the price of the stock along with the Greek. So if nothing else changed and the delta was 0.25 and the stock went up $1, then it would go up from $3, the price of the option, to $3.25. So then puts have negative delta. So, that, so just like uh, calls go up from 0 to 1 in delta, puts go 0 to negative 1. Okay, so this means that if the stock of the, so if the stock goes up and nothing else changes, like we said, the price of the option will go down. So if a put has a delta of negative 0.5, so that's negative 0.5, 0 0.50, then and the stock goes up one dollar, theoretically the price will go down fifty cents. So again, same thing. If we have a put that's three dollars and stock ABC is trading at a hundred dollars, and the stock goes up one dollar. The delta of the put is 0.5, then that's then that price of the option will go from three dollars to two fifty. Okay? So then just like a little tidbit about delta, okay. Generally in the money options, so in the money means that right now they could be exercised for they could be exercised. In the money options will move more than out of the money options. Okay, and then short term, so things expiring soon, will react more than longer term options. Okay, and that's about delta. So then, as expiration nears, the delta for the in the money calls will approach one. Okay, so again, as delta gets higher, the more the price will move. So again, if we had a three dollar option, and the st and the delta of 0.75, and the price of the stock went up $1, then the price of the option would move up 0.75 cents. 
for 75 cents. So essentially with puts, you want it as close to negative one delta and with uh, option calls, you want it as close as possible to positive one. Well, if you're, if theoretically speaking, if your hypothesis is correct. Now, if you're, if you're on the wrong side of the trade, so say that you have a put and the stock price is flying up, then you would want delta to be lower because then, you know, you're not going to get screwed as hard. You know, but yes, theoretically, if your hypothesis is correct, you would want it to be closer to one. All right, perfect, cool. So I think now we can kind of dive into gamma as our next little uh, fraternal letter. <laughs> yeah, so gamma is the rate that delta will change based on a $1 change in the stock price. So now that we know delta, okay, and remember, this is this is part of what we talked about last week, or what was it, the midweek podcast where I said that the kind of the Greeks all kind of, all the variables of the Greeks kind of interlock some way or another, gamma and delta are really important. Like I said, gamma is the rate that delta will change based on $1 change in the stock price. So if the delta is the speed at which the option price changes, so, you know, how much it changes, then think of gamma as the acceleration. So um, options where the highest gamma are the most responsive to changes in the price of the underlying stock. Okay, so gamma is the rate of change for an options delta based on a single movement in the delta's price. Does that make sense? Gamma is that at makes total sense. <laughs> gamma is at its highest when an option is at the money. So that means that if we have a strike price of a hundred and ABC is trading at a hundred, that would be when gamma is at the highest. Okay, and then it's at the lowest when it's furthest out of the money. So things with strike price that had like 140 strike price would have the lowest gamma if ABC is trading at $100 a share. So even if it just surpasses the strike price, as long as it's in the money, it's going to be at the max amount. Yes, exactly. So gotcha. then, yeah, and, and so this kind of goes into Delta when we were talking about, you know, you want Delta to be one. Uh, when your hypothesis is correct. Same thing with gamma. Okay. If you have a call, high gamma is your friend. That's because your option moves into the money. Your delta will, you know, approach one much quicker. But if you're for, but if you're wrong and your hypothesis is wrong, it can come to really kick you in the ass. That's part of the reason that I don't like options because it's really like your risk to reward changes because if you're right, yeah, hell yeah, your option's going to fly. But if you're wrong, your risk management completely changes. And in seconds, you can lose 20, 30, 40, 50% of the option. Yeah, so that that's also like, again, really hitting on the fact that your risk management can change so fast. It's not exactly the 80, 20 that he's used to. Exactly, exactly. Your risk management changes so fast. So, and then when you buy options, you're long gamma, okay? So kind of like Delta went from zero to one. And then for puts, it went zero to negative one. Same thing, you're long gamma when you buy options, and then when you're short options, you're short gamma, okay? So say you buy a call that has a delta, we'll use 0.25 again, okay? Say you have a call that is 0.25 and gamma of 0.02. That means if the stock goes up $1, the delta will increase by the gamma value, okay? So if the stock price goes up $1, your delta will increase by 0.25 plus the two cents of the gamma. So if the stock goes up $1, you, the delta will increase to 0.27. On the other hand, if the stock goes down $1, then the delta will drop to 0.23. So, and I think that that's, so like I said, is that the only variable, so, you know, other variables affect the Greeks, but in our examples, we're just going to talk about the things that directly affect whatever Greek we're talking about. And so that's why, so I think that gamma can be really difficult to understand a little bit. But like I said, is that when you buy a call, okay, and it has a delta, we can use 0.5, okay? Say it has a 0.5 delta and a gamma of 0.02. If the stock goes up a dollar, so say ABC is trading at $100 a share and it goes up a dollar, the delta will increase by the gamma value, okay? So that's really important, okay? Is that the delta is completely correlated with how the gamma does. So before delta changed the option price, gamma is changing the delta price. So there, it's like a chain where they all kind of affect each other. And you put, actually put a lot of work into writing these, and I'm actually hardly seeing any spelling mistakes. 
So we will try to uh, put all of these <laughs> notes online, so maybe we can uh, help you guys out with that too. Because I know this a lot of it's uh, kind of confusing when it's all just coming at you. So this is definitely one where you may want to listen to it a couple times and uh, see what you can get out of it. So is that all for Gamma, or do you want to kind of get into Theta, theta Decay and everything like that? I feel like Gamma's, Gamma's probably, in my, in my opinion, the most difficult to understand. But I think that once you understand what Delta is, then you can understand what Gamma is. But just, I think that if you know the formula, okay, so again, that, you know, I think that if you know the formula that we just talked about, then you can understand, then it'll help you understand what Gamma is. And then uh, just one thing that we, uh, I forgot to talk about was that I think I didn't say if the stock goes down, um, say if the stock goes down $1, you know, like I said, is that the Delta will drop to 0.23 when the stock price changes. So I think we talked about if it goes up, now we talked about if it goes down. And I think that we cover gamma pretty good right now. All right, cool. So next thing is going to be the thetas. Okay, yeah, so theta. So some people call it theta decay. Some people call it time decay. You'll probably hear me switch between the two, but just understand that theta decay and time decay are the same exact thing. And all that is, is the, price, is the change in price as the expiration date approaches. So if you guys took college and you took time value of money, okay, stock prices don't have expiration dates, okay? So stock prices don't have expiration dates. It's just the underlying, the stock price is the stock price, okay? It doesn't change based on expiration date. That's where options can get really tricky because there is an expiration date. So it's time value of money, opportunity cost, all of that stuff from, you know, if you went to college to finance 201. Okay. So the theta is the amount of the price of calls and puts that will decrease for a one day change in the time to expiration. Um, now this is definitely something where if, if you have a computer close, you should look up time decay, um, example chart and that and because i can't you know we're on a podcast so i can't just throw a graph in front of you but this is something that i think if you have a computer near you to look up time decay um example graph and it'll show you the ones that i was looking at it'll show you kind of like something that's 150 days out of expiration and you guys can see i think that the visual for time decay is most important Okay. Now, and this is part of the reason, again, one of the biggest reasons that I don't like options is because of the time decay. And that's because this is literally, think about this. Everything that affects time decay is the intrinsic, extrinsic value, interest rate changes, and the volatility of the underlying asset. Okay. Those all affect just this one Greek. <laughs> so when you think about a stock price, a, a normal stock price, you know, like what affects a stock price? Okay. Um, you know, management, uh, the overall market. Yeah, but I mean, um, when you when you think about that, yeah, those affect the stock price indirectly. But yeah, with, yeah it, indirect, yeah, yeah. But with uh, you know, with options, it's it's different. It's not just it'd be like if those things actually directly affected it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but then on top of that, so all of those still affect options. And then on top of it, like I said, you in you know interest rate changes extrinsic intrinsic value and then the volatility overall if there's no volume inside a stock uh i mean inside an option then that alone changes it. it'd be like a penny stock that has no volume and we'll get into this in a little bit but if you trade options of penny stocks you're you're literally taking i don't think there's more risk than trading penny stock options um if they have options you know so i think that that's really important so in the options market okay and this is an analogy. It took me a while to, to find one that I really liked. And I don't even love this one. I don't love this analogy, but it took me a while and I couldn't think of anything better. So we'll go with it. So the passage of time for an option is like an 18 wheeler on the turnpike. Okay. Every time that an 18 wheeler that has like 50 tons is passing the pavement, it's disrupting the pavement. Okay. And it's decaying the pavement. Okay. So after years of busy traffic, it's going to start to crack and it's going to start to whittle away. Okay. And then when you get to the bottom to, you know, as you know, once that first crack happens inside the road, then you see multiple cracks start to come much quicker. Okay. It's kind of like when, like when people say you make your first million, the second million comes much faster than the first million or the first hundred thousand comes much faster than, I mean, the second hundred thousand comes much faster than the first hundred thousand. It's the same thing as that. It might take a while, but then once 
it, once it's once that first crack in the road comes, it's at a, it comes at an accelerated pace. And that's the same kind of, that's how we have to think of time decay. That in the beginning, when an option is just written or it's just called, then, you know, you're not seeing much decay. But then as we get closer, it accelerates to an in crazy amount. And that's why part of the biggest reason I don't swing options is because of the time decay. Okay. I had someone in time at DMs, uh, not long ago, he had put $200,000 into an option. Um, he was an older man and he woke up the next day and he was down 20,000. Um, now again, so many other variable things, you know, went into it, but the biggest thing was his time decay. It, it, it just absurd. It was absurd. So are now, you, the saying, stock the, are was you down. saying that? Oh, so the stock was down. So I mean, the thing is, like the stock was down, but the the stock was down. But when I looked at it, it didn't have any vol. The volatility on the option itself was horrible. Like I, I was surprised that he even got two hundred thousand worth of premium on it. And then on top of it is that he had his time decay. He, he was like the. I, I don't want to. I don't want to insult him, but it was just not a smart move, and he didn't think about it. He was just like, "Oh, like if this hits, I'll be like five million dollars richer." Well, yeah, but he didn't. He didn't think of okay, like what if I wake up tomorrow and it's down five percent? Um, you know, and then it was a that you know he was he was trying to base it off earnings, but we'll go into that later. But so, and then something to really keep in mind is that at the money options will experience more significant money loss over time than in or out of the money options. So kind of like we were talking about gamma at the money options. So if ABC is trading at a hundred, the whatever option has the strike price of a hundred will have a more experienced dollar loss than in or out of the money options with the same stock price and expiration date. Okay. And that's because at the money options have the most time value built into the premium. Okay. And the bigger chunk of the time built into the price, the more there is to lose. So Dan and I were talking about this today is that if you buy an in the money option expiring at the end of the week, okay, yes, if, if the week expires right now, then you could exercise the option. But if it falls out of the money, then you could be looking at a deep loss. Okay. And that's why one of the most, I would say most used strategies is something is, is buying options that are close to in the money. Keep in mind that for out of the money options, theta will be lower than it is for at the money options. And that's because the dollar amount of the um, time value is smaller. Okay. But the loss may be greater percentage wise for out of the money options because of the smaller time value. Okay. So you see how they, so it's kind of like a double-edged sword. No, it's, it's pick your poison with this, with data. It's pick your poison. So here's one of the example. I did pull this example off of, I pulled this example off. I want to say investopia or whatever. And I, that's because I really liked this example in the way that they explained it. So a call option with a strike price for 1,150 for $5 the underlying stock is trading at $1,125. The option has five days until expiration and the theta is $1. Okay. So I will say that again so that if you have pen and paper, you can write down. So it's 1520 to 1550 was the. No, so it's, it's 50. So right now the strike price is, um, 1150. Okay. okay so 1,150 and the, and the, um, option was $5. Okay. The right now it's trading at $1,125. So it's $25 so, yep. outside of the money. You need $25 more dollars yep. to get it in the money. But it has five days until expiration and the theta is one. Now, again, this is super important. Okay. We're not changing the other variables inside this example. Okay. So the only thing that we're affecting it is the expiration, the theta and the price of the, of the stock. Okay. So that's really something to, to, to remember guys is that right now in our example, nothing, no other variables changing. Okay. So in theory, the value of the option drops $1 per day until the expiration date. So if the theta remains at $1, you're theoretically going to lose five, your, your, your option will expire worthless. Okay. Because the theta is $1, you bought it for $5, okay? So if the option price 
theoretically doesn't change because of the underlying stock price, then it'll expire worthless. Okay. So assume the underlying stock remains at 1125. So 1,125 and two days have passed. The option will be worth approximately $3. Okay. And so I think I wasn't going to do this, but I think that this is important. So you buy it on Monday for $5. If this now imagine that ABC doesn't change and it stays at 1125 Monday, it's $5 Tuesday. It's $4 Wednesday. It's $3 Thursday. It's $2. And then Friday, it's $1 to, and then, you know, expires worthless. So what if, what if it had an earnings report or some good news after hours It PR to after hours, and then it went up. Uh, to to your strike price? Yeah, it it, it went all the way up to eleven seventy five after hours on Friday. Okay, okay, yeah, smart Daniel. So we we got a smart Daniel over here. Okay, so um another thing that a lot of people don't know about options is that if it if it's expiring on Friday, you can actually exercise that option on Saturday, and obviously the market's not open, so you can't trade that option. But say, just like Dan said, okay, say say at 4 p.m. on Friday, the market closes and you think, damn it, like my option's going to expire worthless. Then boom, some crazy news comes out or like Dan was saying is that the earnings report comes out and the stock price moves up past the strike price. Then you can actually call your broker and they will um, exercise the option. So instead of it being worthless, you can actually exercise that option on Saturday. And that's something that a lot of people don't know is that if you ever hear some of us taking lotto options out of the money by like three or 4% on like large caps, because what we'll do is, is that we'll take out of the money options. So say, uh, ABC's trading at a hundred dollars share. I'll take a one Oh three strike price for super cheap because remember theta decay took it all the way down to like nothing. So it's just, you're buying it from someone who's just trying to get anything out of it. Yes. Yes. So, so you're trying to sell to me for literally sometimes like pennies on the dollar, just because you, you, you want to make anything. And so if I know that like, you know, they have something going on, then what I'll do is, is that I'll buy that for literally nothing, like nothing. But if it hits, it'll go like, you know, if it hits, then what I can do is, is that I can call my broker on Saturday morning and say, okay, I want to exercise this. And, um, now you just made some good cash. How often do you see that happening where it, it, whether or not it just be, okay, um, I'd be losing such an insignificant amount of money. It just wouldn't matter. Or someone just didn't know that maybe something's happening after hours and you kind of ha had the, uh, the sniff. Uh, yeah, I definitely wouldn't do it for earnings. Um, because the earnings, yeah, so you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. You never really get to know what's happened. It'd be like, it would be like, um, you know, if someone had a conference, if someone had a conference after hours on a Friday and they said they weren't going to announce anything, but then they do announce something. So if Apple has a conference on Friday and you know, they usually announce iPhones on, on in September and October and, but they said that they weren't going to announce it. Okay. And you were just like, yeah, screw it. This options, uh, you know, $50, you know, I'm just going to do it. And then they announced the iPhone, the stock rallies 4% after hours. That would be a situation. Um, well, but other than well, that, I probably wouldn't do it. For conferences, uh, you know how a lot of times they'll just build up until the conference. Would you play it like a stock and then get rid of it right as the buildup? Or do you usually wait through them? Or do you ever even do those? No, I don't even swing options. Um, I don't swing options. I just play intraday charts on them. Um, but yes, if, if it, I would play it like like the conference run up to a penny stock, um, I probably would not hold. I, I, I definitely, yeah, I wouldn't hold it any, uh, anyway through unless like, like I said, is that some of these options are like cents, like literally 10 cents, like literally 10 cents Friday at like three forty-five. So like I said, is that if Apple has a conference and you're feeling good, you know, you had a great PL week and you see like some option that's like 10 cents or something. Yeah. Buy a, buy a dollar, buy a dollar worth of an option or, you know, do 20 bucks worth of an option. Um, especially if they have a conference after hours and, and it's those conferences that are quote unquote, nothing, you know, they're like the HG Wainwright or like the maximum conferences. But then all of a sudden, like some bio company, um, announces great top line results. That would be in, that would be a time. Um, but besides that, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it for earnings. 
Um, that's, I would do it like if you just had like a hunch that there could be news after hours. Yeah, and sometimes you get that furu tingle. You get the furu tingle, baby. Okay, yeah, so then back to the example. So like we said is that, um, you know, you bought – the strike price was 11, 11 – was 1150 You bought it for $5. The stock right now is trading at 1125 okay? It has five days until expiration and the fade is one, okay? So now we're at Wednesday. The stock price hasn't moved, but your options now only worth $3. The only way the option becomes worth more than $5 again is if the price rises above 1155 Okay, so now, now if you guys ever, if you guys ever dabbled with options and you saw your break-even price change, that's what they're talking about. Is because you literally just lost almost fifty percent of the option just based on theta decay. It would now need to go to one thousand one hundred fifty-five dollars to break even. This would give the this would give the option at least five dollars of intrinsic value. Okay, offsetting the loss due to theta or theta decay. So when I was saying that that guy put two hundred thousand dollars into um, into an option, um, and he woke up and he was down twenty percent. I mean, look at us. Two days went by and we're down almost fifty percent. So now we wanted to get to to get into the money. We wanted to get into we wanted the stock price to go up twenty five dollars. Now we need the stock price to go up so much higher. Um, now we need to go up another $5. So now it needs to go up to, you know, $30 instead of 25 So or in that example, it'd be 1155 or 1160 Yeah, 1155 exactly, 1155 Um So I think that that's really important is that is that time decay alone should be one of the reasons to stay out of options. And I think that that's really important because you, you need to understand now, now a lot of brokers will have, will they'll, will they'll calculate it for you. Um, so that you can kind of see bars and graphs and stuff. You know, Bloomberg does it if if you know anyone that has a Bloomberg. Um, and I think that's really cool. It's a really cool way to see it. But but I guess my point is just circling back to is that not only is the underlying price of the stock going to affect the option, but then you have stuff like time decay. Time decay can literally wipe out 50% of your liquidity. So it'd be like if the stock went down 50%. So then imagine if this stock went down to like $1,000 a share and you had time decay. Your your option would be like worthless by like Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. So do you want to get into uh, Vega and Row before we finally get into your your super special options trading strat? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Vega and Row I really don't use, um, and that's because again I I day trade options. If if I'm going to do anything, I'm going to day trade options. Like I said, I, I touched on in the beginning. Okay. So Row is for the short term. Really doesn't matter for Row. Um, it's more for more advanced option traders um, out there that, you know, if you're an advanced option trader and you're taking like $2 million of premium and your hedge fund is like tr just trying to hedge itself. So it's taking $2 million of premium, which is like half a percent of your book. Um, row measures the sensitivity of an option to the change in interest rate. So what hedge funds will do is that they'll hedge themselves with, um, with a, you know, large amount of premium to, well, it means a large amount to us. It's, it's a small amount to them and they'll do it for out of the money. So they have to worry about row because, you know, like election season coming up, what are interest rates going to do? Stuff like that. But for most people, I wouldn't worry about row. Then we have Vega. Vega is the amount the caller put price will change it, theoretically for a corresponding one point change in implied volatility. So we talked about implied volatility last week. Vega does not have, let me say this. Vega does not, does not have an effect on the intrinsic value of an option. It only affects the time value of an options price. Okay. So typically as implied volatility increases, the value of the option will increase. That's because an increase in implied volatility suggests an increased range of potential movement for the stock. So a lot of times you'll see some stock, you'll see some options traders where they'll put the call to put ratio, um, they'll tweet the call to put ratio and they'll say, okay, today traded double the amount of call options as put options. Remember, vol volume um, precedes price, price action. action. Woo! Got it. <laughs> You're so smart, Dan. Goddamn. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> So if you see that there was a lot of calls traded recently, then, you know, that usually 
you know, sometimes that alone can push the stock Somebody up, depending knows on the market something. cap and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Same, same situation. Somebody knows something. Um, but I would say that for the most part, Vega is not too important. But we can give an example. Okay, so say that because I know that there are some people that love to swing call, you know, options and stuff. So say that there's a 30 day option of ABC with a $50 strike price and the stock is exactly at $50. So the strike price is $50. So it's at the money. Uh, Vega for this option might be 0.03. Okay, so in other words, the value of the option might go up 0.3. If implied volatility increases one single point oh and the value God. of the option yeah, and the value of the option might go down three cents if the implied de- volume, I mean, the implied volatility decreases by one point. OK, so now that doesn't seem like a lot, but quickly and aggressively, this can change. So if you look at the 365 day at the money option of ABC. The Vega might be as high as 20, or I mean, 0.20 at one point. So the value of the option might twi- might change 20 cents when implied volatility changes by one point. So now that, that was a lot. So I'd probably suggest going back and writing this all out. But basically what I'm saying is that, okay, right now I'm saying that, you know, three cents is not a big deal for every point of implied volatility. But when you start to, you know, see implied volatility rise, and the Vega rises, I mean, 20 cents, a 20 cent move per point, that's that's a big fucking move when, when things start to aggressively roll. Same thing like Theta is that when, you know, in the beginning, it's not a big deal, but then when it starts to change, it can aggressively change and it can aggressively move. Um, and I think that that's really important to understand about really all the Greeks, but especially Vega and Theta. All right, so that kind of settles all of the the frats and surats. So um, I guess we can kind of go into the difference in, you know, your trading strategy with options and how it's completely opposite from the way you trade your stocks. And also, I guess, um, you know, the difference in the people that swing. Because Hugh, his main thing, from my understanding, he likes to day trade them based on charts and technicals. Uh, and anyone that's asking, like, what is the strategy is mostly just going to be technicals. But uh, can you kind of yeah. explain why you don't like to do, you know, longer swings with them? Because most of your swings actually do really well, believe it or not. And um, Thanks, man. Yeah, no I problem, appreciate dude. that. And, you know, I was just wondering why you don't mainly do those. I think a lot of people are wondering that as well. Yeah, and so we talked – and this is, again, going back to literally what we just talked about is that, um, you know – a lot of times there's other things that are affecting the option more than just the underlying stock price. And one of the things with penny stocks is that the volume, the volume of these options, you know, sometimes the put, you know, the spread of a call can be huge because there's no volume. So that doesn't mean that, you know, say, say that, um, say that I want to buy, like, say I want to buy, um, a call for 50, for 40 cents. I mean, because there's literally no volume, the, uh, the ask price might be, you know, like 70 cents because someone's just throwing it out there to fish. That's so much higher. So one of the biggest things to look for is that, is that if you really want to swing penny stock or, you know, low stock options, is that you got to make sure that the volume is there. I did take WTRH options and I did take uh, rumble options after the split, but that's because I felt that those, that those companies were legitimate that they shouldn't have been penny stocks and that they could be easily mid size, mid cap market cap stocks. Um, yeah, kind of like SPAC even. Even SPAC, exactly. Is that I felt that they were so undervalued and that they should be, that they shouldn't even be close to penny stock world. And, um, and we were right about that. So that's the only real time that I'll think about trading something like that. And even when I do that, it's literally like I throw like 200 bucks in there. I'm not doing anything nuts. Like WTRH, we made like 2000% on the options, but I'm, I'm not, I don't even care about the money. It's more like it, to be honest, it's more like for the adrenaline, the thrill. Yeah, exactly. So then that's why I don't do penny stock options. And then I think it's, so then my strategy for options. Okay. Now, again, I don't, I'm no option guru. I'm no furu. You want to make a million bucks? Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm not trying to do that. Most of the time it's because it's in the middle of summer and 
I'm looking for something to do so that I don't force myself into a penny stock trade that is going to lose me money. And I know that I can make a few extra bucks on the side. Now, for a lot of you that saw my Tesla trades this summer, okay, that's that was an anomaly. I don't usually make that much off of off of our options. But again, because of the Delta and because of Tesla, Tesla was running nuts. Um, you know, it was it was almost like, you know, I mean, options were going two, three, four hundred percent in Tesla a day. Um, so you didn't have to put that much in there to make a you know good buck. Um, so my strategy is simple, technical trading on weekly options on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, it, say, say we're trading on a Monday or Tuesday. I'll take that weekly expiring option and I'll usually take it about 2% out of the money. Okay. And then I chart it and I'll sell some on resistance and I'm very nimble. One of the biggest things with my option strategy is that I'm very nimble with it because again, if, if I start to lose or if it rejects resistance and it really starts to, you know, waterfall down, you can lose a lot of money. And one time, even, even last week, I got stupid with it. I literally went to take a pee and get a water and I came back and I mean, I, I, my stop didn't catch and I got fooked and I lost a good chunk of money. Um, so it's really, really important that if you're going to trade options, you're super nimble with your strategy. It's not like you can just add the dip because sometimes there is no dip. Okay. One of the biggest things that changed my option strategy was that if I was right, I was taking profits quick. And if I was wrong, I was getting out super fast. So like I said, I trade technicals, so I'll catch on the VWAP bounce and then boom, I'm looking for a quick move. One of the biggest reasons that people don't make money with options is that they're looking for the thousand percent move. Take the 10% move. Okay. If Tesla comes down to the VWAP and bounces off that VWAP and you make 10% in two minutes or you know, even 20 minutes or two hours, take that, take that. That's a great move. Yeah. So I think it, it even comes down to just when, when you see these people getting big gains, I mean, you see people get thousand percent gains on options. You see them get it on stocks too. Just know that what you get is what you get. Be happy with it sometimes. Yeah. And the thing is that those is that you can sit there and say, Oh, all I need is one of those thousand percent hits. All I need is one of those thousand percent hits. Dude, guess what? Like if it, it could take you 700 different options before you even hit a hundred percenter. So Think about all that capital that you just lost trying to hit that one, you know, um, by the time that you hit that quote unquote one, you could be down from where you even began starting. So, yeah. So when it comes to your strategy, it really is just going back to the, well, actually we never even made a technical analysis episode. So I guess we'll have to make that one. Um, yeah. So, so it's mainly just going on your technicals and reading charts and being like nimble. he always says, it's all chart. Yep. And being, being nimble, nimble, Jack, be nimble, Jill, be quick. We buy both <laughs> stock and then they rip. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the thing is that I'm super nimble with it. I take profits quick. Uh, like I said, Tesla was an anomaly. Okay. I let those things run, but that's because Tesla is an anomaly in itself. Like I said, there are some really, really good option traders out there, but for beginners, I'm confident in saying that you shouldn't even be touching options. I don't touch options. I don't, I touch options maybe two months of the year and I'm super nimble with it. Um, it's literally to pay the bills and to pass the time. Uh, I'm not trying to make a million dollars off of trading options. I'm not even trying to make a hundred thousand. Uh, it's literally like, it's so that I don't force my hand with penny stocks. And so what I'll do is I'll take, you know, ha a half of percent of my portfolio put into options and say, okay, this is what I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do options with. Um, I'm okay with losing this. Anytime that I take an option, I say, I, I just automatically say I'm losing all of it. Um, I'm, I'm losing all of it. So why are you even getting in it? Dumbass. Well, because I'm okay with losing a half a percent <laughs> of my portfolio on options. Then if I put five, 10, 15% of my account into, um, into penny stocks and that penny stock goes down 50%. I, I'm okay with forfeiting half a percent of my account so that I don't force a penny stock trade. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with giving up a half a percent because when I was young and I was, you know, I was young, I would give up three months worth of gains in six weeks. I mean, I, I would give up so much money. And, and I mean, I even had someone DM me. I think I sent it to you. Um, they said, wait, I'll, I'll pull it up real quick. They said, and this kind of, this sucks because we never want anyone to lose money. But 
it, it just was a testament to what we always talk about. I stopped following you and Dan's advice. Oh, sorry, Dan. No, he didn't. He didn't say me. I I saw the DM. You don't have to. I know. People. I stopped following your advice <laughs> and went rogue and lost sixty five thousand dollars, sixty percent of my portfolio in thirty days. Took a long time to earn that money. I'm back on the eight. Uh, I'm praying the market lords they show us a winner. Um, and I think that that just goes to show is that I used to do the same exact thing. That man hit a hundred thousand. He said, "Fuck you! I don't need your ass." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, and that's okay. Like, we want you guys to be your own traders, but um, you know, losing losing sixty percent of your portfolio in thirty days—that's that's not uncommon. That is not uncommon. Uh, and I used to do the same thing. So I'm okay with giving up half a percent of my portfolio and keeping myself busy in options. Um, so that I don't force a penny stock and lose 20% of my account. Um, because that's really what I used to do. That was, that was my thing is that I would kill and make a thousand percent in the first seven months. And then in six weeks, I would give up like 50% of that. Um, and so I'm okay with doing options and trading options as long as you're nimble and that's okay. If you guys want to try out options and your account is a thousand dollars, you shouldn't be taking more than $50. You should be taking more than fifty dollars, and once you're once you lose that fifty dollars, be done with it. Be done with it. Okay, so with that, given your strategy, do you kind of want to go into the questions that we got for all the options? Yeah, let's do it. There's a good bit. Let's get ready. Okay, what are you looking for in a ticker before you pull up the options chain? Is it a good chart, catalyst, etc.? Do you ever get options for swings? Um, I really only trade. Uh, I stopped trading Tesla, but I stopped. But and I didn't really used to trade Tesla until this summer. Uh, but really, I just trade Amazon, Walmart, the QQQs, and that's it. And that's because I know the personality of those stocks. Um, I kind of know what they're going to do based on what the S and P is doing, based on what China is doing, based on upgrade downgrades. I know what they do. So I learned the personality of those stocks, the two three stocks, and then I trade the options. Um, like I said, Monday and Tuesday, I'll trade that same week expiration. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'll trade the next week expiration. And you got to make sure that they have. And so the reason I trade the large caps is because I don't need a lot of, I don't need to take a lot of premium, um, but I can still trade um, something with a lot of liquidity and a lot of volume. Um, I don't swing any options. If I swing an option penny stock, um, it's for fun. And it's because I think that that Penny stock has a legitimate chance to become a mid-sized cap. Okay, next is, do you use spreads often? And do you ever execute options or do you always sell them? Um, I, I, I only trade the premium. Um, I don't do spreads. Um, sp I... I, I personally don't do spreads. I'm a huge fan of spreads. If you are someone who re actually really, really wants to get into penny stocks, I mean, get, excuse me, get into penny stocks, get into options, you should definitely learn spreads. Spreads are a great way to limit your down, um, to limit your risk, but still make sure that you reap reward. Um, yeah, so I, I do like spreads and we can definitely go into spreads for like a small segment one, one week. Um, I just felt that for this podcast and this one, I didn't want to go into spreads or um, hedging. But although I do believe in spreads and I do believe in um, option hedging. Okay. And what is the least risky way to experience real world options trading for a newbie? I think this is just about for anything. Just play with whatever money that you can afford to lose. Yeah. And I think that's, like I said, is that... Uh, like I said, I take about half a percent of my portfolio every year. Um, and during when the market's slow and the penny market's selling off, because uh, I tweeted about it on Friday that I picked literally four stocks that everyone mentions and they're down 50% in the last four weeks, literally the last four weeks. Um, they're down 50%. Some were down 67% in four weeks. So I'm okay with giving up a half a percent of my portfolio to keep myself busy. If that means that I'm not giving up uh, 20% of my big account. And so if you really want to get into that, what I would do is that not when the market's hot, okay, but when you feel the market changing to a slower time, um, that's when, and you really want to get into options, what I would do is I would study, study, study until then, you know, kind of, you know, study into it, learn the Greeks, learn everything, the ins and the outs of the options, and then take, like I said, half a percent of your portfolio because losing half a percent of your portfolio is not going to kill you. 
Um, now, if you have like a hundred dollar account, yeah, dude, that's just that's just uh, lunch time in August. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, so if and and here's and now, if you have like a hundred dollar account, just work on building up your account. Okay, even if you have a thousand dollar account. Okay, work on building up your account. Okay, because you don't want to take. You need every dollar, and that's why we talk about never to take money out of your account. So if you have a smaller account, just find you, – you. the only thing that you should be doing is finding a strategy that works and building up your account. Um, now, once you get to like 10000 then that's when you can take half a percent of your portfolio. But until then, you know, in a slow market, if you have a smaller account, all you should be doing is studying. Everyone should – You do know that uh, half a percent of 10000 is 50 bucks, yeah. right? You can take 50 bucks so and trade that. You can start playing with options. I'm saying you can start playing with the options with just as little as 50 yes, bucks. Yes, yes, 100%. Now, now you're not going to be able to play something that's like right, you know, you're not going to be able to play Tesla. Um, you know, you're not going to be able to play Tesla, but yeah, you can totally play options with 50 bucks. And that's what I'm saying. Are there any like that you would recommend that seem to follow charts if you have 100, 150 bucks that you're going to put into options? Um, I only trade the Qs. Amazon. Um, you can definitely trade Walmart. I'll look at a, I'll look at a Walmart option right now. Um, I think that that is it. Shouldn't be more than fifty dollars. It shouldn't be more than ha than half a percent of your account. Well, but you don't you don't want uh, someone using all of it on just one option play. Is there any that you could kind of recommend that with maybe like two hundred bucks you could you could play and get a feel for options? Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at Walmart right now and. I'm looking at Walmart. Walmart's trading at 137 and 150 options for less than a month out are trading at 90 cents. If you bought five contracts, if you bought five contracts, you know, that's not a lot. Now, that's what I would do. Um, I mean, they're trading at 90 cents and that's Walmart. Walmart's trading at 137, I mean, $137. Now, if you go to, to something like more liquid, that's like a cheaper price. Like, let me see if, if JM, now this is real time, JMIA, that was one that we used to play a lot, right? I mean, their options are trading at, their options are trading at 15 cents. Uh, don't trade this actually, because there's no volume on this. <laughs> um, All right, well, whenever you find one that you think will be good, we'll, yeah. we'll keep rolling. But my point, my point is that, my, my overall point is that if you have a small account, stay out of options, you should just be focusing on building up your account. Once you get to over 10, really, really, I wouldn't want you to touch it unless you were significantly over PDT. Um, say you were at like 30000 I think would be like a good place to maybe if you wanted to take a little bit of money um, and start going into options a little bit or learning about options. But realistically, it shouldn't be more than half a percent of your portfolio, maybe 1% if you really feel okay with it because chances are you're going to lose it all. Okay, next. Yep, you heard it here first. You're going to lose it all. Uh, next question. What's the risk reward difference between swing trading and options? So we all know your 50, your 80, 20 is, is swing or is options just 50, 50. Uh, I, my, my personal strategy that I use, I'm about 50, 50. Um, and that's with me being super nimble. That's with me, you know, that that's with me being super nimble that the best risk reward that I get is 50, 50. The best. Right. I would uh, say, uh, personally, I would say overall, maybe, maybe, if you, maybe 2080 reward to risk. Okay. Uh, what are some strategies for picking entries? How do strategies change for smaller accounts? Uh, you got to be super nimble. Um, if you have a smaller account, uh, I mean, same thing like with penny stocks, it's that your entry is everything. And especially on options, your entry is literally everything because options trade at so much less than the actual stock price. You know, that means that, you know, 10 cents can be 10% difference. Uh, you know, I mean, and, and you can be trading Tesla and 10 cents can be a 10% difference and, and you don't even realize it. Um, so I think that that's really important and, you know, not going too big. Everybody wants to hit that thousand percenter. Uh, I, I just can't even think about it. Uh, All right. <laughs> next question is. What did Hugh mean when he said Gamma Gap when talking about previous Tesla trade of his? I'm familiar with Gamma, but still not sure how to spot a Gamma Gap if I saw one. Okay, I have one uh, scanner that my cousin helped me out with. My cousin, he's the one that got me into stocks. And what that basically does is that that picks up inefficiencies of Greeks. 
So for instance, um, like we were talking about is that you have to treat each individual option like its own stock. So people can sell into the bid of an option and same, and you know, people can sell into the bid of an option. So what this scanner does is that it picks up the inefficiency. So say someone, um, someone had like a thousand options and they just sold them all into the bid. Now the underlying price of the option is significantly undervalued compared to where the stock price is. And that's because someone had so many options and sold into it, but don't, you shouldn't be worried about that. Um, he helped me with that, you know, a lot. That was something that he kind of gifted to me and that's all. Do either of you include long-term options with your swings? If it's a stock with an option chain? Uh, I think we talked about that a little bit, but no. <laughs> All right. Uh, how much money are you putting on the street if Trump doesn't win? Ooh. <laughs> I don't know. We'll 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 see when we get there. Um, we'll see what the market's like. I think. I think. I think it'll be kind of uh, equated in, unless it's just like a, he wins by a hair. I agree. I, I would probably agree, uh, but we'll see. I, I have no idea. I'm not going to try and guess the market. That's not what I do. Why did God give me the option to play options? Uh, just so you can ruin your life. Uh, or make it better. Is it true what I read that unless you made a couple thousand off a of stock, you shouldn't trade options? I mean, looks complicated. Different prices depending on expiration time, strike price, and I don't know what else. Uh, yeah, and, and I, I feel like a dick now. Um, there are really great options, people. Uh, like I said, Mr. Prez is a beast. Um, you know, there's some real, you can make some good money in options. If you stick to a, if you find a plan that works, stick to the plan. Um, I mean, there's really, really good option players in, in there. I just feel like for our, our, our viewers, demographic. Like people, yeah. 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 That, I mean, half of you, half of you are degenerates anyway. And you all admit it inside my DMS. I'll start exposing you. Dude, I love I love fucking gambling, dude. That's why I just can't get away from stocks. Shit's yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah. So, and, and and I really feel like with options, it'll just be so much worse. And so, I feel like we just try our hardest. We try, 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 try to keep everyone to the same risk to reward level. And you know that you should it, that you should learn. And if you're going to learn, you know you should totally reach out to Mr. Prez and you should talk to Mr. Prez. Um, but in general. I would stay away from options. Okay. Uh, can you sell some contracts and exercise the rest? Yeah. Sweet. Uh, would you rather fight 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? Uh, we've actually already answered this on a previous podcast, funny enough. Um, I can't believe can... that we get the same... <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I understand. Sometimes we'll get the same, like, what do you look for on the chart? What's your favorite scanner? Like, how do you maintain your mentality? But how the fuck do we get asked, would we rather fight a hundred duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck twice in a matter of three weeks? Come on, man. Come on. Uh, how do I go from making 50% profit to 3,000% profit? Is it long-holding from out of the money to in the money, or is it just a matter of timing a parabolic move with any position? This is my point. This is my literal point. I love you guys. <laughs> but if I knew that question... Do you think, I don't, if I knew that question, you, I'd be a fucking billionaire. Um, I'd love to know how to go from making 50% to 3,000%. After last week, I'd love to know how to the hell to make 50%. Um, <laughs> uh, so, okay. But yes, yes. Stop trying to get it all, man. Yeah, be happy it, with 50% profit, the fuck? Yeah, and <laughs> I think the, that's what you need to know. Like, If you're making uh, 50% profit consistently... DM me, please. Yeah, I saw literally someone posted this thing. If you start with 10K and you make 100% per trade, it only takes like X amount. I didn't pay attention to it that much, but shit, this dude, I think was literally just following Zach and was just like not even <laughs> doing anything. All right, next is uh, anything about hedging? Uh, no, that's when we could get into the spreads and, you know, or... That's, uh, that, that's like what the Mormons do when they have sex or they just like, they just lay there and they don't. No, I'm thinking about soaking. So, no, so, my bad, my bad. So, keep going, keep going. It's your birthday. It's okay. Um, but no, but so that's when we get into spreads. Or if you like hedge funds, you know they go long S and P, short NICU. Like th there's things like that. Um, 
you know, or like you go long the stock, short the short the option. Uh, we could totally go into that one day. Um, today's not that day, but hedging. I, see, hedging. I, I feel that our risk to reward on our penny stocks and what we trade is so good that I don't feel the need to hedge. Um, institutions have to hedge, and um, institutions have to hedge. I don't have to hedge because I'm me, and. I feel that our risk to reward is so good that I don't feel the need to give up that extra capital. I'm either right or I'm wrong. I don't need, I don't need any of that. Um, but we can totally go into spreads and hedging another day. All right. Uh, last one. It's from our very famous friends over at Breathe Carolina. Uh, it's the year 2026. A meteor's crashed into Earth and destroyed most of civilization as we know it. Only you guys survive. Do you? A, chill and wait for the end. B, find a way to use Hugh's feminine body to repopulate. C, admit, <laughs> admit the sexual tension between each other and finally give in. Well, it seems like B and C are about the same. Um, I think we just chill. I mean, we wouldn't... So Do you I hear jealousy? I'm feeling from, jealousy through the DM. From Tommy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, dude. It, We're sexy. Have, we get it. Yeah, I mean, he has his own little DJ partner. I don't know why he can't just fucking... Whatever. Um, okay, guys. Well, now, uh, I'm not sure if Vinny's going to put Mr. President now or before the Q&A. So, wherever that's going to be. And here's Mr. Prez. Hey, guys. Mr. Prez here with another quick video uh, talking about how volatility is impacting your options and why you might be losing money even if your underlying has gone back up after a dip even though your option premium is still getting killed. So if you know the basics about options, you understand that you have Delta, Gamma, Theta, and Vega. Um, without getting into any of the you know, fancy math behind the implied volatility calculation, what you need to know is that volatility plays just an, as an important part in your premium pricing than just go, you know, the underlying going up or down. When it comes to options trading in particular, you really want to capitalize on these, um, these sort of sharp moves up without stopping. You know, when you're, when you're going up nonstop, the volatility on your option is going to increase dramatically along with your delta and your gamma going up in addition to that. So not only do you have your delta from the underlying going up and your gamma adding to your delta, you also have your Vega abnormally go like abnormally rising as well. So when you have dips, once you have a sharp move up followed by a dip, your implied volatility is going to start settling back to normal values after this sharp increase. And what happens is even though you start to curl back up and retest those same highs, you're going to see that your options are not going to be worth the same amount of premium. This dramatic, you know, $22 move on Peloton, we'll use the 100 strike calls as an example. We'll check out this um, options chart just to compare. And you can see August 27th was the start of this move. You know, pretty much five days of nonstop momentum. The volatility was massive to the upside. Um, so you check the option chart over here. You paid $150 roughly for the contract on this breakout. And within five days, you go from $150 to $1,435. So you pretty much have a 10-bagger just on this breakout alone. But, you know, if you're holding, if you're trying to swing this October call, you tell yourself, well, I'm not going to sell it because I still have time on my contracts. So at the point of your highest volatility, your contract is not in the money yet, but hits a high of $1,400. So you tell yourself you're going to hold it. And on this downtrend, on this down move, what happens? Your volatility is going to settle. Your Vega is going to come down, go back to normal values. 
and your premium is going to decrease as a result of your you know your delta is going down because the underlying is falling you have your vega decreasing so your premium is deflating back to standard values and you also have people getting out of the positions from the initial breakout so you have people selling on the bid you know most likely to exit your volatility is going down and your delta is working against you so you look at the sell-off and you have your diamond hands and you're still in the position and you notice you know obviously peloton starts to curl back up and retest that that same level as before but you'll notice on the options contract that once you get once you get this retest of that high you know where's your where's your options contract you're way down here and, you know and if we extend this to the right you can see instead of it being worth you know fourteen hundred dollars it's barely worth a thousand down here you know so that's a pretty you know that's a pretty drastic percentage change just from the volatility so even though you're heading back towards that 100 strike the momentum is not as strong the premium is not as inflated so you don't have the same pricing coming into effect based off of that number alone. So the best strategy that you can do to take advantage of that is to buy the initial breakout, you know, get get into your position down here, sell all of your position up here when your Vega, your volatility is still high, and then simply buy back on the pullback when your volatility is calmed down and repeat the process because what happens is when you buy back down below when after the volatility settles you get in while your Vega is low and then when you have your breakout move again your Vega increases dramatically you know so that's probably that's probably a big reason that a lot of people lose money buying out of the money options is because when they get their first initial breakout your premiums inflate, you know, 100 to 300%, and they keep holding on to them, assuming that even if it dips, that, you know, once it goes back up, they're just, you're going to make another 200, 300, 400%, when that's just simply not the case. Make sure to give us five stars, like us, right swipe us, date us, DM us. And just be nice to us. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Maybe we'll get into options later. We still got a technical analysis episode to do. We got some taxes. We may take a break next week and do our next episode live from New Jersey. So oh, no. I forgot that. See you then. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Oh, that sounded weird. Bye, you got Bye, bye. Bye, bye. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That sounded good. I, that was a good goodbye. Farewell. I'm pausing it. <laughs>